0: Blog Talk Radio
1: the January 2, 2015 show of Don't Let It Go Unheard. This is where we talk about news, politics, and culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy. Ayn Rand's philosophy of objectivism is the only philosophy that upholds the right to the pursuit of your own happiness. I am Amy Peacock. Some of you know me. If if not, welcome to your first time listening. And joining me here, as usual, is cartoonist Bosch Faustin, creator of Pigman.
0: Thanks.
2: <laughs> I love hearing Pigman's name.
1: Um, over here in the chat room, Blog Talk Radio, a few people are joining us, some of the usual suspects. I see Trevor and just Jean and selfishness and a number of randomly numbered guests, as well as Craig. Welcome, everyone. Happy New Year. And this is what we're talking about this evening, actually. How do you make a new year happy when the general direction of politics and sometimes of culture, I don't, you know, again, we've talked about this before. I think the acceleration actually is in the right direction, but we may still, in terms of velocity, be going in the wrong direction, right? right? Um right. We'll, we'll Kind of revisit that idea here this evening. But how you come up with a vision. Everyone this time of year is coming up with their goals, with resolutions, things that they want to achieve in the new year. Maybe they want to make some positive changes about themselves in the new year. And part of what you need in order to do this is an inspiring vision. And in preparation for something that I'm going to be dropping on you guys next week, next Wednesday or so, I'll be sending emails to people who are on my various emails list about this. But in preparation for that, and then also in reading John Allison's book, I was rereading uh, some of the first parts of the book about vision and purpose. I've been thinking about this this problem that we can have if we kind of um, hinge our whole vision of the future, on Barack Obama, Harry Reid, who fell down while exercising. on the Yeah, of January. damn. Um,
2: <laughs> so, so sad.
1: I don't I don't want to wish bad on somebody. I don't want to either, I but I like, like that
2: he's uh, he, he, in pain right now. I mean, I do, personally.
1: He probably, he probably had the best medical care, better than we'll get in our he's lifetimes been, from now on. He's but...
2: been depowered, and now he's been hurt, and he deserves to be worse than that, actually, in jail. But anyway,
0: it's going on.
1: Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's the Barack Obama and the Harry Reeds and whatever. Should we let our vision of the future be hinged on that? Right. Or, you know, how much do you incorporate what they are doing into your vision? And when you do that, doesn't that make your vision uninspiring and make it very difficult for you to be motivated towards achieving your goals? This is, I think, a legitimate question here. Right and so you know what how is it that you frame this idea of vision for yourself that's really the question that we're going to try to tackle tonight as well as looking at some stories just kind of see where we are in terms of news we like to do that here each week but think about you know what your answer is to that how do you craft an inspiring vision of what you want your future to look like, do you make a vision, for instance, um, in terms of what you think your life will be like 10 years from now? Or do you think that in the world of the politicians today that you don't even look that far ahead, that you try to look only a year out, three years out, five years out? What is How is it that you frame that vision and make it inspiring? Despite... Despite. And also,
2: right. in, one, in one sense, if if a lot of people do feel that way, reluctant to even make concrete plans, concrete, you know, ideas about their future, then in a lot of ways, politicians, they worked in that sense, where they want us to feel, you know, like the future is up to them in their hands.
0: Right.
2: And it's not. I mean, and, you know, it's a fine thing where you say, well, I want to live my life despite what they're doing. I want to flourish as much as I can. I want to live, you know, be happy. But we can't deny the fact that they have impact on our lives. You know, right. we just found out what this past week, January first, the uh, gas tax for global warming tax. Now, you know, they just just foisted it on us.
1: Well, and there's a whole slew of new laws yeah. here in oh, California. And there's a whole bunch of new regulations that Obama Thousands. put out, I guess, what New Year's Eve or something, just to make sure that none of us actually caught it in the news cycle, and so. Really, what we want to look at is again—it's another angle on this question that I want to address throughout Dan, this year,
2: something here. which that is, is
1: just, uh, relevant. Um, but yeah, the question is how to live a rational life in an irrational society. So this is just another angle on that. So as I said, you can call here and talk to us about your thoughts on this issue: seven six zero eight 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 five eight one seven or. Chime in here in the chat room. Daniel brings up
2: the uh, drooling beast.
1: Oh, yeah, the drooling beast, Elizabeth Warren. And we've talked about that on this show a little while ago. He says, the specter of Elizabeth Warren has haunted me now for years and has really detracted from my motivation to drive my business forward. She's been the image of my drooling beast in the Fountainhead terminology, yes. And he says, I've been focusing on the difference between Rourke and Mallory as my guide to avoid getting suffocated by that.
2: Yeah, in, in a lot of ways, you know, Rourke ignored a lot, you know. He really did. He just felt completely focused on what he had to do to hell with what was going on, whether it was the war or whether it was any anything. And in some way, I feel like that. I mean, I, I, I think um, in terms of telling the truth, in terms, in terms of saying things that are political, politically incorrect, the way you – Uh, fight political correctness is by saying the truth, is by ignoring it.
1: Well, of course that's true as well, but then the other issue is do you in the back of your mind have some idea that you have failed to reach your vision if you have not achieved a certain type of cultural or political change within a certain unrealistic time frame? How many of us have kind of hopes or expectations along those lines only to have them shattered or even more kind of germane to this is, are you in a field such that your entire vision for, and this is, you know, John Allison puts it as how are you going to make the world actually this is when he's talking about purpose and vision, but he's talking about what are you going to do to make the world a better place? by doing something that you love and you care about that you want to be doing. And some people are having their careers ripped out right from under them. So for example, suppose you wanted to sell really snazzy electric cars a la Tesla and you had a vision of selling them directly to consumers without those niggling dealerships as the middleman. And you have entire states that have bowed to the pressure from the middlemen and thwarted your plans, right? But Tesla thinks they can make
2: they a whole lot now. of
1: people better off. They can make, well, okay, keep going. Um, but then, for instance, suppose you are How about a, me
2: with a pigman? Wouldn't it work? I've been ignored by my industry completely, uh, smeared, called racist, every name in a book. And a part of me is like, to hell with them. But it also has, you know, put me in a way where I doubt I'll be working for DC or Marvel anytime soon. <laughs> I mean, at all. Right. It's not from my. It's not because of my ability either, because I've been critical of them also, for their Islamophilia. Um, so yeah, I mean, but I don't know if you have your vision, if you believe in it enough, you you find a way to make it a reality. You find it. A, I find a way to force it into the world into the world if you have to. You really do. I mean you really if you believe in it enough if it's if right. if, it, if it means everything to you you got to keep going. Uh, I I can't imagine giving it up.
1: Uh Trevor in the chat room says I only fail if I sacrifice it to hopelessness. And Al says I only focus on those things I can control. For instance, I went back to school last year so that I can advance my career. Right? And then what you do is you're choosing a career that you think is going to be free enough
0: yeah. of
1: government regulation or prohibitions, et cetera, to not stop you. And so, their whole so, thing
0: is think so again. Well, you
1: know. well, and for example, I mean, think, you know, there's so many stories that we've talked about over, over the years, but one of them is the number of infections that aren't curable by antibiotics because the drug companies aren't developing enough new right. antibiotics to mutate, you know, to to handle all the mutated infections, right? So, uh, we we you know we know if, we know of someone who's sitting in a hospital. Um, he had to have like a foot amputation, mm-hmm. and he's sitting in a hospital with some horrible infection that they're working and working to try to cure, so that they can give him a prosthetic. And it's really really difficult to cure these infections because of the fact that they're mutating faster than the antibiotics are being created. Why is that? Because of government. Because of government pointing guns and making it too expensive and not rewarding enough to create these antibiotics. So, you know, this is just one example. Uh, We talked to Dr. Peter Laporte, and he wasn't sure whether his particular medical specialty that he spent a long time investing in and developing He didn't know whether or how it would be covered under Obamacare plans. So imagine things like this where you're spending your life developing something or, you know, certain types of investing on the market, right? Um, Milken and stuff, the kind of investing, then suddenly they're going to declare what you're doing illegal even though you're adding value to the economy. Rudy Giuliani is going to come after you. So I'm just trying to give you examples of things where your creativity that has been put to use, adding value to other people's lives, and thereby making your own life better, earning you money. That has been made illegal,
2: yeah. and you become a magnet for those rats.
1: Or it's been regulated, right? And and you know this this was one thing. It, it was interesting. I was reading in John Allison's book, and he was talking about the you know certain banks or financial institutions or investors. Who were engaging in this kind of really risky, fairly unethical kind of short-sighted behavior, but not necessarily rights violated, you know, rights violating behavior, but just probably stuff that somebody who was thinking about a long-term value creation would not be doing. And he says, well, they do this, and then they run the risk of government regulation, and. It's not, you know, they they shouldn't expect absolutely. government regulation. We should expect the response to risky, not wise investment behavior should also, be something in the market. It absolutely. shouldn't be that the government's going to swoop in no, but also, and though, do something.
2: And if someone who says that hey, we should expect that to happen, so oh, you're you're so Pollyannish. It's not, you know, I mean, it's not Pollyannish that we shouldn't expect it to happen because that's the right thing that should happen. Right. That should be happening. But
1: these days this is exactly what yeah. you expect, right? the there's one bad apple in the financial market, And they go after. the And entire... then they go after everybody, and every CEO of a financial institution is afraid he's going to be thrown in jail yeah. for the slightest thing. Right. Uh, that isn't even really an unethical thing.
2: The standouts, you know, even in politics, Ted Cruz, he's the number one target in Washington, right. because he wants to change Washington. I mean, truly changed. Brockball ran on change, BS. He basically exploded, explode what what exists. Whereas, whereas Cruz threatens it. That's why he's number one enemy, you know, number one. Mm-hmm. So in all these fields, you get the standouts, and they're being attacked. Now, you know, if, if my field, I'm not I'm not famous enough where they can come after me in any serious way yet. Right. But we'll see. The bigger pig man gets.
1: Al in the chat room has a very key element to what we do in terms of formulating a vision. He says, plus I continue to spread the word of objectivism. He says, I get people to agree with small portions of it at a time, small victories. Spreading yeah. the truth, right? Yeah. Spreading the truth. And again, you know, we don't just sit here and talk about it like, oh, we're trying to proselytize people or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, the philosophy that, we adhere to, we actually think is true. But the reason that it's important to have a true philosophy is because we all have to operate in reality. We all have to live in reality. We have to support ourselves in reality. And it's those principles that are true that you live by that are going to enable you to do that. And that's something that we're going to talk about with John Allison next week. He achieved tremendous, totally quantitatively verifiable business success in his life. And he did it by applying the principles of objectivism in the context of being a CEO of a financial institution. And he had tremendous results. So it shows you the power of living by a true philosophy. But I think, you know, in a way, sometimes being an objectivist or, you know, even someone who is a fellow traveler where you are aware of issues that affect individual rights, when you're aware of our government that as i said in the the write up for today our government is inimical it's it's an yep. enemy of our values it's stopping us from achieving our values i mean as i said you know go to the gas pump you know um this is interesting i was getting a, a call yeah, you know the the new uh, phones that you get a, a call and it shows up on your computer. That's very distracting. Yeah, <laughs> that is. I have to find a way to turn that off. I'm sorry, people. Um, but you know the government is here, inimical to our values, and, um, you know basically you have to figure out how you're going to have a vision, in that context. What is your vision exactly going
2: to be? You know, it's it's, it's no doubt. Um... I think cut down a lot of people who would have otherwise went out into the fields that they wanted to go into, but some just will not be deterred, but it's not a mass. It's not a mass field. It's individuals. It's a, it's a a minority who will not be deterred no matter what. And, uh, it's sad because others who may have gone out, you know, to have a, a good success, not a, you know, a phenomenal success. Let's say maybe will never be known. Maybe they never ever would have stepped foot in it because they well, because they've been cowed.
0: So
1: here's here's my kind of thinking, right? So and, and and sorry, I was losing my train of thought because of my stupid phone interruption, and that's very unprofessional of me. Bad Amy. Turn yeah, it off and sorry. just
0: put, <laughs> turn off and flip. And flip, it, flip <laughs> no, it
1: was it was the thing on the computer oh, that okay. got me. Anyway, um, so the idea is that we as objectivists were so aware of this, and we're aware of how bad it is, and what it means for us. And I think it's easy to let that cloud any attempt to have an inspiring vision of the future. And insofar as we can act to make our own lives better and also improve life for us people we care about, you know, the state of the world to a certain extent. So for example, you know, obviously success in your own career. It is still possible to have a successful career, maybe not in every single field. Maybe it's not as easy as it would be in a purely rational society, but it is still possible to have a successful career. So we can do things to better situate ourselves. Like Al in the chat room says here, he's going back to school in order to put himself in a better situation. I, for example, I have another scholarly paper in my mind that I can write and submit for this year to have another publication on my record. It's not so often that I have an inspiration along the scholarly lines but I do, and so I want to pursue it, right? Um, so there's things that we can do in our career, even where the deck is stacked against us. So we can improve our career. It,
0: when we the improve deck is our... stacked
2: against us, that you know that term. Yeah. In one sense, it's, it's a limited vision, also because of that.
0: Ooh. You
2: know, because you are taking into consideration that they're coming after us. They're coming after our freedoms in mm-hmm. limitless ways, almost endless ways.
1: Well, and, and But, you
2: know, again, it's just to maintain the idea that, well, this is not the way it ought to be. Uh, we still live in a right. relatively free country. We can still achieve. We can still and we still have to strive for it. And hopefully we can get them out of the way eventually. Uh,
1: well, and, and as I said, I think that there are signs in the culture that while our direction Obama's still trying to take us over the cliff, and a lot of people are following him. Nonetheless, the acceleration, the change in velocity, I think is in the opposite direction. I think, And, and one of the biggest pieces of evidence of that is in the program notes for today's show. It's actually down towards the bottom, and I have a link to the podcast that Alex Epstein did with yep. Dr. Drew. Yep. And the interchange that they had, the intelligent discussion that they had. And you also have um what's his name? I'm blanking on his name right Adam now. Carolla. No, no, no. The one who named him the the most important idea m- of the year. M- McLaughlin?
2: Yeah. The McLaughlin group. Yeah, right. McLaughlin he, group. He named uh Alex Epstein, uh,
1: the most important thinker of the year, or the most, the most original, original thinker, the of most the year.
2: original yes. thinker yeah. of the year, which is phenomenal. Yeah, I it's mean, great. It's a popular show for ye I mean, decades, as far as I know. That's awesome.
1: And I mean to have this sort of exce- acceptance in mainstream media yeah. of ideas that are not just, you know, completely antithetical to everything that's been going on in terms of the he He's idea, a truth right? missile but, but, into his
2: whole you know what I mean and this whole debate.
1: but it's into the worst part of it, right? so if you if you talk about the one area of culture that is just saturated with altruism, and it has probably the most appeal. To all of the liberals out there, it is this environmentalist idea, right. this idea that we have to have, quote, green energy and that fossil fuels are bad. We
2: have to place the earth above ourselves. Right. And, and this is
1: where he's achieving this mainstream attention. I think it's awesome. And and so this is a sign that you've got some of this acceleration going in the opposite direction right. of, of where we're going. And just
2: so, just takes take an individual to tell the truth. I mean, focus it into a book and uh, where you get these guys who may not have ever, you know, thought about him or, or his work at all and say, well, well, this is actually definitely worth talking about and that's why he was named the most original thinker. I mean, that's, a, that's just excellent. Right. You know, to to get that kind of mainstream uh, mention. That's
0: great.
1: Yep. So it's it's achieving. And, you know, again, what is he focused on, right? And I, I don't think I've listened to the entire interview. I think I've listened to most of it. But I remember at one point, where you know Alex was just kind of offhandedly noting you know both to Dr. Drew and uh, kind of in his own mind that there have been pro energy pro fossil fuel politicians elected yes. during this election. Yes. So he's got kind of this narrow focus of okay there's a little bit of progress even in the political right. realm in this one area that I'm very concerned about and if you have a focus on Something that you really care about, that you know that you love doing, you like immersing, you're bringing in it, and you just, and you set a realistic goal about what can be achieved in this context to make the world a slightly better place. Now, how does it make a world a better place, right? There's, there hasn't necessarily been any concrete legislative victories yet and in fact i guess obama is set on you know using the pen and the phone to really screw up the energy market oh, yeah. california just slapped this huge tax on gasoline that went into effect january 1st right there's all this stuff going on but nonetheless you can see even in politics that the acceleration you know again the change in velocity the change in direction and velocity is going in the other direction yeah. And that's the kind of thing that you can look at. You can say, okay, that's my vision. Now, it sounds sad in a certain way, right? Because we'd say, okay, well, the vision should be you don't have government in the way at all, and you're right. going to just innovate.
2: And but, you that's just, but this is taking reality into consideration, and right. that's the whole point. Right. Uh, but also, also you know, he makes the moral argument. Um, environmentalists, they take it for granted that everyone wants clean air, clean water. Come on. I mean, you, you know you I mean? No, but no, but they take it. I mean, and right. he actually says, "No, this is uh, it's about human life first and foremost. Right. It's not about the earth. It's not about the and and it was a good, it was a good conversation between him and uh, Drew, Doctor Drew. And at first, Doctor Drew just let him speak completely for a few minutes, which was really, really good. I like that, that as a nice opening. And then they went back and forth. Right. And they were very engaged. You, you guys gotta gotta check out that interview. It's on his podcast, Doctor Drew podcast. Uh, last week.
1: Um, by the way, Alex has tentatively agreed to come here and talk with us sometime mm-hmm. soon. I don't know exactly when. We've got John Allison next week again at the 10 a.m. Pacific time. We're going back to the morning. Why? Mostly because I feel more awake then, but yeah. <laughs> also also because when we stop this show in the evening on Fridays, I find it hard to just go to sleep right away, obviously. Pretty wired. We're yeah. kind of wired up. And it's really important for health and this is another place where all of us can incorporate part of our vision into being healthier and becoming in bulletproof. Becoming bulletproof what? <laughs> Bosch is getting really into the bulletproof I am.
2: diet. I am
1: he's been studying
2: It's uh it's good so, stuff. Dave Asprey. Check it out. Bulletproof diet. I'm on chapter eight right now, so, so very you know.
1: Good seeing what you can do with your career. And if you are in a career where you just feel like it's the myth of Sisyphus where every time you achieve something, government takes it away. Yeah. I, mean, I actually put this um, in my uh, on the Don't Let It Go on her page the other day. I put a link to the story that talked about this new gasoline tax. You know, We were so excited we had cheap gasoline yeah. in California, and now there's this new tax that's going into effect. And it, as I understand it, it's not a set amount. It's going to vary according to some mythical market mm-hmm. created by some legislative hacks, yep. and it's like a, it's a cap and trade kind of thing. You know, what's the market? for They don't want to make it appear, appear
2: as week? bad as as it is.
1: It can be up to seventy five cents per gallon. That is disgusting. So I said, you know, what fracking giveth. The government taketh away That's
2: right. That's whatever right.
1: extra money we thought we'd have in our budget to be able, you know, be able to have fun with. And we
2: were actually thinking about that. We said, "Wow, we went to get gas; it was very, very cheap. It's oh, excellent."
1: I filled my mini for less than forty bucks. I thought, and then you're like, "Wow."
2: Okay, and then yeah. it's just the New Year hits, and they hit us right over the head, hard.
1: As as far as I understand though, it hasn't kicked in heavy yet. But the okay. point is that it's like this weird arbitrary thing well, where the, the news hit. One week know. it could be January 1st. 5 cents and then the next week it could be 75 cents just because a stupid market that a bunch right. of government bureaucrats decide about.
0: Imagine is, how they do that. Yeah,
1: this is what pollution costs this uh, week, you know. So in the summer I think it's going to cost us more summer, you know when you want to take a drive with your family. Yes. Yeah. Because that's when there's more pollution. I mean, this is the kind of thing I'm thinking yeah. about. I I'm not, I don't even want to look at it too much because it's just too disgusting. But um, but health. You know, we can have a vision for us being healthier, more productive.
0: Right. Because of that,
2: we
1: can we can do things in that realm. We can less sleep. We can, we
2: can less sleep. As this book <laughs> this advocates. Is, this
1: is something that Bosch likes. Too I much. love it,
2: and he actually says in there. Sleep. I've always believed it was like a waste of time. You know, he actually That's literally. That's why you
1: like him. That is why the <laughs> only reason you like
2: him, I was like, "This is great." Less sleep, but deeper sleep. Less well, but deeper sleep.
1: Thanks for joining us, Rob. By the way, Rob Evier is over here in the chat room. He says, "Mythical Market." You mean like a health insurance exchange? Mm. Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah.
1: That exact thing. Oh. You know, and, and I feel like with health insurance it's it's a gamble when you're signing up for different plans and stuff but i don't i don't feel like insurance is insurance anymore no. and that that is one of the stories that we have by the way for tonight all the different stories that i kind of laid out there as a picture of where we are how how yucky things are let's just go through them quickly because no. we don't want again we the, the focus this year is trying to live a rational life, an irrational society, and it's not just an irrational society. I, you feel like you have to augment that description yeah. because it's one in which our government is inimical to our values. Gosh. We have to live a rational life in this context. We have to. You, you necessarily, and this is something that was interesting in John Allison's book in the beginning chapters, he says, you do have a vision for the future. And then the question is, do you make it explicit? Do you yes, choose it explicitly? Absolutely. Right. Do you choose a compelling vision for your future? No. That. And I think that's something that does hold people like us up. People like us who are aware of how bad the state of the world is, we feel like it's hopeless to form a vision of the future in which we're going to make our lives, at least our lives and the people that we care about, we're going to make their lives better, you know, to make a world a better place. You know, John Allison talks about that. Could you actually think you can make the world a better place in the coming year? Maybe only in the sense of is, you can make the world's prospects for the future better within hello? the coming year. Right? So this is the way we've right. got to frame this I like what he says.
2: We all have a vision. We all do. We do. Explicit or not, going into the new year, we all have a good idea of how we're going to enter the new year, how we see it happening, how, how we see what we're going to do, whether explicit or not. We have, uh, we have an, an attitude about it, let's just say.
0: So
1: is that a good way to formulate it, Bosch, to say we want to, within the coming year, Make the world's prospect for the future better. No doubt about it. In 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 the sense that we want free the prospect for freedom to be better. No
2: doubt about it. And it's it, you know it, one thing also this idea that it's it's to be a constant battle even when we were freer. You know people still had to fight f- for the freedom. They still had to fight for the future. And a lot of people, I, I guess, gave up in a sense and said, "Well, you know, we're free and that's that." And they didn't uh, go out there and, and make the arguments against the status that were they were coming to Washington, into culture. I mean, into into Hollywood, into everywhere, and they poisoned everything. I mean, right now you got uh, you know Marvel Comics, you have uh, movies. I mean, just I can't. I love watching movies. It's very rare. I mean, I I mean I'm looking to, to watch a movie right now, and there's nothing out there. I want to see American Sniper, uh, the, the Clint Eastwood. Mm-hmm. It'll be out in a few weeks. But besides that, there's nothing going on. A lot of it is just corrupt. It is corrupt.
1: Now let me check out the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio. We've got Shrugged who says, you don't need to focus on making the world a better place if you focus on trading value for value. Yes, that that is true. But we live in I the mean, world. It's, it's not that you're going to focus on, because you can't. And, and again, I don't think you can make it's the it's world not a better the place. the world, right. And and certainly right now, I think anybody who is in a field like mine where I'm dealing with education or trying to interface with a culture, trying to argue for correct political principles, legal principles, all I can do is try to make the prospects for the future better in the terms of communicating my ideas to more people, to having people say, okay, well, your ideas aren't completely crazy. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's
2: right. That's a win. Um,
1: Yeah. You know, the other thing is helping people kind of make sense. You know, if they if they have a feeling that the things going on around them are wrong, but they're not really clear about why. I've noticed some people
2: actually, you know, about my work for the last almost decade against Islam. I've noticed some people come around. They don't say, hey, I thought you were crazy. then," But I could tell Well, I knew then that they thought I was crazy. But they've come around to my position on this, which is good. It's good because it had it, it had some effect to some extent. So that's good.
1: Yeah, in a way, though, the the reason that they've come around is because of the negative things happening. Sure, I
2: said Bosh, I know we live in. A, my point is that we still have to make an impact out into the world. We have to, for our lives. We live in this world. We have to make the arguments. You know, f- I mean th- that's a point. It, whether even if we're in uh, great times, we still have to argue for freedom.
1: I mean, here's the thing: if you if you're trading value for value. You are, by that thing alone, making the world, and, and here I'm using the world loosely because there are some really evil people in the world right now. I don't care about them, and I'm not trading with them.
2: Absolutely you know. I mean,
1: I'm not President Obama them. who wants to trade with Cuba. And, damning you know, them. Um, I want to trade with good people. And if you're trading with those people and you're trading value for value, then you are, by that, very regard making making the world a better place um you know shrug says also if you fight for the future you live in it today and and it's true but when you fight for the future you want to see you you want to be able to kind of measure some sort of achievement that you've made right when you have this vision of what the future is going to be like something that you're moving towards you want to be able to measure some sort of progress towards that and then the question is how can we measure progress towards that today? And I think, you know, again, it's by looking at this issue of acceleration instead of velocity, because velocity, we are going in the wrong direction. Yeah. Uh, we are still going in the wrong direction in a fairly quick manner, right? The debt is being racked up. There's more and more regulations, but the acceleration the change in velocity, as far as I can tell, is in the other direction. Um, we're going to be seeing in the coming year what that's like, but whatever we can do to help contribute to that, and it's not going to be at the level of politics necessarily. Absolutely, no. It's going to be in cultural products, it's going to be someone like Alex Epstein out there getting the message out about a key element in the culture, which is this totally engaging false, with the world. evil environmentalist
2: message. You know, engaging yeah. with the world. That's, that's my point there. Yeah. So the question whether you know we have to, I mean, my point is if you want to go out there and make some impact, you do have to, critical, go out into the world. I mean, send this, your ideas this is, out there this if is you is want to inter- live.
1: This is an interesting question, right? And, and uh, when John Allison is you know talking in his book about purpose and, and vision, when he talks about purpose, uh, he divides purpose into a couple components, and he says the first is everybody, he thinks, as part of their purpose, wants to make the world a better place. Now, he doesn't. He says not all people, but he says most everyone. There are people, of course, who don't want to make the world a better place, and we call them jihadists or um, politicians. Obama followers. No, <laughs> yeah. <I don't>
2: know. <laughs> politicians a and lo- their fans oh, oh, yeah. and their supporters.
1: Yeah, some politicians.
0: A lot um, of politicians. A lot of politicians. Okay.
1: Um, but but you get the idea. There's some people who want to make the world a better place, and then there's some people. But, but he takes for granted that everybody wants to make the world a better place. But he ties as part and parcel of that that they want to do that doing something that they love and that they care about that they enjoy doing. That's the way in which. So I think he is pulling together really the kind of Adam Smith idea that by doing the thing that you want to be doing and trading value for value, you will thereby be making the world a better place because you're going to be providing a value to people. You know, So for example, I mean, this is just me right now but my show, I am thankful. People have gone to my blog at DontLetItGo.com and they have given me donations for the show which means they think I am providing them value. I enjoy doing this show. People have given me money um, because they get a value from the show. I think that's awesome. Now, it's not that I'm setting out necessarily to make the world a better place. Now, in in a certain way, you want to make the world a better place for you to live in. You don't necessarily think that everything that you do is going to have a huge impact in that regard. You want the world to be a better place for you to live in. You want a better life next year than this year. You want to have a compelling vision of the future, something that in which you're going to have an enjoyable life and if the world is a really sucky place because of politicians and evil people then it is hard to have that so i it's mean harder, you know so so you want to fight that in that regard you right. want to engage you want to go out there and spread the ideas that you think can make it that better place for you to live in for family members for people you care about to live in right um it's not like it's an altruistic thing no but you know again it's, it's not making the, the world per se, but it's it's making the lives of moral people better, which is right. a natural consequence of you going out there, doing what you love, and trading value for value. And that's the kind of thing that we can focus on. But again, I think when getting we're... people
2: to rethink certain things also. Right. You know, to really people who are on the edge, people, decent people. You know, the fellow travelers, let's say. So I never quite thought about it that way. It's important to get those people to... To start thinking about things in the right way,
1: right? But for instance, I can't have my vision be this. I can't have my vision be um, in 2017, Ted Cruz will be president and he'll be an objectivist. Right. That's, okay.
2: Now, I mean, and, and also the idea that objectivist isn't is come anytime soon. Ted Cruz is the best we got right now.
0: Right.
2: He's not an objectivist. So, He's nowhere near an objectivist.
0: Does, does that
1: can if the, if that's my vision, then no. Now if now, I know, obviously, in my mind that that can't be my vision. So if I have in my mind, well, it's either that or everything's going to suck wind. Right. <laughs> I can't have that either. No, you know, you say, in, a, okay, well,
2: in, in a very narrow go, focus. Go
1: set some goals and achieve them, even though you think the future is going to suck wind. I mean, No, you know.
2: No, you know, in a narrow focus where if we're to get the GOP nomination, if Ted Cruz doesn't get it, yeah, that's going to suck. But it's not our lives are at stake in that sense, you know, because he's so much better than, than some, so many of them.
1: Yeah, they're shrugged, shrugged. Epstein, uh, Epstein, Epstein. It's funny, they call him Epstein on these interviews, and he doesn't correct them, but I
2: okay. remember well, that I he Well, I said Epstein also. No, it's always said in <laughs> different ways. I'm like, whoa, which one is it?
1: I th- I think he prefers Epstein. But anyway, he, okay. writes, he writes a book, makes money, and it affects the ro- world positively. That is right. And this is the model, basically, Choosing the thing that you enjoy doing that adds value to others such that they want to give you money so that you can make your life better. And insofar, again, we still have, for the most part, free speech. Yes, we do. And we can still act to make the world a better place. You still, in all kinds of careers, have the ability to do well and do better. It was funny somebody the other day was saying, is it just me or are there are a whole lot of computer people in objectivism? And I think part of it is in if you go into computer programming or design or engineering or any of those fields, it's less subject to you know, horrible liberal ideas just yeah. in general they're they're concerned with science and Modern. truth because otherwise things don't work, right? So there's that. And there's also the fact that it happens to be a relatively unregulated right. area of the economy That's right. so that they can go into it and feel more freedom to succeed and, and develop. And it just so happens that a lot of them, these very rational people, are also attracted to this philosophy. So there's kind of a symbiosis there. But But, you know, this idea of, Either being in a field where you feel the freedom to achieve that positive vision of the future or if you're in a field where you are kind of fighting the trend that you have a plan like someone like Epstein and something that you can execute and that you can measure what sort of effect that you feel like you are moving positively towards that vision of the future and hopefully making, I hope he's making a pile of money too. Um, I imagine so. That would be
2: great. Selling well the book. You know, we
1: can still today enjoy a fairly good lifestyle. Um, I think it is getting harder, for example, to earn just say an average income and send your kids to something other than government schools. Yeah. These thing, kind of things become a challenge because of the amount that we're taxed. So there's there's things that get pretty hard in terms of choosing for yourself the type of life that you want to live, in a lifestyle basis. But there's a lot of places where success is wide open and you can achieve, and that's the kind of thing to focus on. So that this is my thinking. Let me let me see what we've got. We've got a call over here. And yeah, I don't know.
2: I'm, I'm not sure if they're...
0: No. Oh,
1: no, this person isn't put on. If you do want to speak, if you want to be on the air, then go ahead and I think it's press one in the Block Talk radio menu and you can go ahead. And,
2: the show started yeah. fine today from when I got People said that the, we came on, the sound was just right up. Excellent. Yeah, that's good to hear. So
1: Blog Talk is improving. Oh, I, well, like I it.
2: hope so. I like it.
1: They have glitches every now and then. We'll have to Their see. Their New Year's
2: resolution was to have no glitches. I like it. Right.
1: I like it, I like so, it, I like it. So should I go through this stuff? Do sure. you want? Do you want to just kind of... Uh,
0: bounce off? And...
1: Well, I'll, I'll give you just a list. In California, there's a whole bunch of crappy laws that are going to affect us. The two off the top of my head that I know of is this horrible cap-and-trade style gasoline tax. Plus, in July, I believe, is going to go into effect the no plastic bag law, or there's like an extra fee for the plastic bags, the stores basically have to make plastic bags more expensive, less attractive, and give all the money to the government, people, and their cronies. That's what that is. Uh, then there's this article that Rob Abiera shared with us over on the Don't Let It Go On Her page on Facebook. Common Core repeal the day after. This was a feature that they had on NPR. And apparently what they do, I mean, again, Common Core has not been around that long. But now... They have repealed it, I guess, in Oklahoma. And then the question, and I guess they've repealed it in other places too. And the question is, what happens after the state repeals it? It looks like a little bit chaotic. People don't really know what to do. And, you know, some people, I guess, are at at sea. And I think that Rob, he interpreted it exactly right. He says, look, Common Core was just the latest and loudest Yucky thing that the government was doing with our schools. When you repeal that, it doesn't solve all the problems. In part because you've got a bunch of government bureaucrats who have no idea what they're doing anyway. um, So, but they, you know, they go back. What you know, they don't even remember what they had before. They have a low, uh, probably a short attention span. But probably the standards that they had before that weren't all that good either. So it's not like you're eagerly adopting something that's wonderful. And now they're going to change the name
2: from Common Core or something else, and it'll be the same thing. Just it won't become a core. It won't, it won't be called that, at least. Yeah, that's their goal, probably.
1: Well, and I mean, here's one. There was a high school principal in Southwest Oklahoma. He says, "We didn't oppose the core. I mean, we were ready for the change, and then uh, it didn't change, and now we're back. Stick with something. Let's go with it. Tell us what we need to do, and we're ready to do what, it." Tell us
2: what? <laughs> what was like a uh, just follow orders?
1: I mean, that's it.
0: What the hell is this?
1: A cog. So it just highlights that even where Common Core is being repealed, that doesn't solve the problem. Common Core is just the latest and loudest evidence that government should not be involved in Absolutely. our school system at all.
2: That's the latest argument, yeah. Uh, the best argument Mark Wickens right
1: Mark Wickens shared an article over there, prying eyes inside the NSA's war on Internet security. Definitely go check that out. And this is along the lines of what Edward Snowden was talking about in that Cato uh, surveillance conference that they had that one day. He was on the last hour, the the special secret calling guest. And he was talking about the the fact that the government, our government, has been actually working to make the Internet less secure. And what I connect that to is that it's left it more vulnerable to attacks like what happened to Sony. And now what what is Barack Obama doing? He's hiding behind this idea that it's yeah. North Korea. Yeah. He's calling for, unilaterally calling for yeah. sanctions on North Korea. He's going and to do it with are, his pen and his phone. Yeah,
0: there
2: are numerous cases right now with they saying, no, it's not in North Korea. Yeah. It's not. <laughs> I mean? it's, it's
1: these independent hackers. Yes, yeah.
2: he But okay. he's trying to say it's some government, so therefore i got to control the Internet, you know.
1: Now, what? what is it
2: that's... Uh... Nothing.
1: Oh, no, there's somebody in the chat room? Yeah? Okay. Okay. We've got... Oh, garbage in, garbage out. For Rob Ebyera says about, uh, about the uh, about, Common Core.
2: About the Atlas Shrugged movie. Um, someone says there that it has to be erased from everyone's memory. It set back objectives 100 years. That's just not true. I mean, it's a lousy piece of crap movie. It doesn't represent the book or the philosophy. It's Atlas Rushed.
0: Mm-hmm. It
2: is not Atlas Shrugged at all. It's uh, something that's called Atlas Shrugged, but it's not Atlas Shrugged. So I wouldn't worry about the movie at all. Believe me. Not enough people not enough people even even watched it.
1: No, probably the best way is just to ignore but it was it's so funny when people got very worried. You you gave me that article, right? People were worried that the movie was going to attract new people to the philosophy and they thought that was horrible. They might actually read Ayn Rand's
0: book. Yes, yes.
2: Okay, the one guy from Washington Times. He was actually he wrote a piece, it was a hit piece against Rand and Objectivist, he was mocking them. But he said, "Yeah, he was basically there to say, do 'Don't read the book.' He knew on some level that the book, the movie, is not the book.
0: Right. They might
2: actually, you know, fall into the book, whereas the movie is just so. I mean, we 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 suffered through the first, uh, through fart one, yes, and then we refused to see fart two and fart three. <laughs> and I heard they, they were even worse. And I, I mean, no, but right, I, yeah. I'm most surprised myself. Right. Uh, I I've always wanted to watch things being gay. I have." zero to desire i want to stay clear from them you know it's it was so bad
1: so while the nsa is waging war on internet security i'm going to have a new shot across the bow to send in the privacy scholarship realm that i think is going to help maybe with the you know getting the government to get rid of this third party doctrine that makes the nsa's program legal in the first place this has got to yeah. go. Uh in the meantime there's a lot of encryption technology that's becoming more usable out there. I'm starting to dabble in email encryption, which I think everybody should just do on principle just to make the NSA mad as like a protest. <laughs> even if you don't necessarily <laughs>
0: <Right>. you, <laughs>
1: have the account.
0: Just if, put it, the yeah, Fourth
1: Amendment that's, in that's your right. emails, you know. If they
2: know wait millions of people did what? We can't
0: spell <laughs> them.
1: Make them store your encrypted email that has the Declaration of Independence in the Constitution forever. See, that's the way, right? And, I, and you start thinking, when you start thinking catastrophic, you start thinking about how are you going to preserve all of the important works of literature and documents of yeah. our founding right. for, for the future? and. One way you can do it is by putting it in encrypted emails that the NSA believes that they have <laughs> to right. store forever. That's
0: right. That's the only way. <laughs> They'll
1: make sure it won't get lost then, right? That's and then maybe someday, some future, uh, what was the guy? Um, Winston Smith from 1984. He'll find it and figure it out. A uh, longtime Romney friend says that Romney is standing by to rescue the GOP from nominating Ted Cruz. Rescue. Rescue.
2: A dead party. Yeah.
1: Good luck. That's all I'm saying is good luck. 29 conservatives, this is the other side of the coin, 29 conservatives can oust Boehner as speaker. Now, wouldn't that be a nice first step? Yes. And, in fact, Rob Abiera he posted to the Don't Let It Go on Her page on Facebook an article by one politician who said, I am not voting for Boehner as speaker. Okay, good. He's, he's explaining some, why.
2: Some, someone wrote a piece and said, well, they are going to have to stand up there and say the name. and So what? Aren't these guys leaders? of their districts of their you know I mean of the communities go up there and say yeah this guys unacceptable they can say that and they don't ha- have to pay a price because they can oust him so he's you know he's not there to <laughs> to make them pay anymore
1: you know what is so phony so i forget how many days ago it was but i go over to drudge and the headline was something like Showdown Looming. And it was The GOP is going to have this budget showdown.
2: And that was, just,
0: that was with so Obama. cheap. It was, it was Slow so.
2: Low news day.
0: Stupid.
2: And it was bad. And you know what? I didn't even click it, actually.
0: Cause I, clicked I, it. I No, I'm I anticipated. Sorry, no, no, no,
2: no, 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 no. I anticipated that. I said, This is lousy. It was. Absolutely. L- it, no, but I knew it was because I was like, Oh, George is just doing this. You know, there's no news right now. So show, showdown. What? Showdown every two months now?
1: Well, no, I'm no, no. no, no. But this is the thing, right? First of all, remember they passed. I
2: know, I know. The so-called continuing Until resolution, crom the be, bus, yes.
1: really is what it was, all the way till October. Yes, exactly And right. the only thing that they held back on was, I think, Department of Homeland Security, only and for the reason, showdown. only for the reason that they wanted to tinker with immigration stuff, which is right. so lame. Yep. Why?
2: That was their one principle Why stance.
0: did
1: they? Why did they not? At least just hold back in the right place, which would have been Department of Health and Human Services, in terms of Obamacare. That's where they should have had the showdown in February or whenever Absolutely it is that's right. going to come up. So this is—it is ridiculous. This idea, oh, there's going to be a big showdown in, uh, in October. Obama's going to spend like a drunken sailor until October, and then I'd like
0: to—don't yeah, insult drunken sailors.
2: <laughs> like, like like a drunken Democrat. Nelson, uh, Trevor said uh, "Bosch should uh, encrypt the infidel and mail it to Obama. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like it. And he'll
2: read every word. Like, oh, I'm in there.
1: How to get Obama to read the infidel.
2: She was in issue two, and he'll be a little more so in issue three, Obama.
1: So... We may see some conservatives actually oust a Boehner a speaker. That would be, be a really nice day. That would be a
2: very, very good.
1: Would it necessarily mean concrete political change in the right direction right away? Well, no.
2: No, right there. No No, that's a great sign. Yes. That's a signpost. Like, uh-oh, these guys are getting serious here. It's
1: a sign of acceleration. Get this
2: rat out of here. He has to pay a price for this. Put someone in there who's decent, who can speak without having marbles in his mouth, without hiccuping, without drinking. I mean, he's, he's like a drunk. He goes out there, you know. He who, can't speak. Who,
1: uh, who doesn't have the cronies? that Absolutely Boehner right.
2: Has? Oh man, he has them all over Washington. I mean, this guy's who
1: has uh, who who's the the guy Spiegel or whatever?
2: Um, the, the guy. Oh, uh, not Spiegel. Um, racist. I think that's his name.
1: Is that his name? Yeah. That guy. Okay, so he he is one of Boehner's right hand men or yeah. something.
0: They want to call man.
1: And he can't even figure out whether he spoke at a racist <laughs> that's conference.
0: Right, that's right. <laughs> On that
2: alone, he should be honest. <laughs> so wait a minute. You're not sure you spoke to uh, the white supremacist? Okay, you're out of here. Yeah, I don't, I'm not you sure about this.
1: Um, for, for those of you who haven't watched Whiplash, it's not too much of a spoiler. There was a, <laughs> a, a scene in Whiplash where the teacher who is a real, you know, what, what would you call him?
2: Uh, force of nature. Taskmaster. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's just yeah. brutal. Very, very,
1: very demanding.
2: Yeah.
1: And he says, somebody's out of tune. Who is it? And yeah. there's one guy, this poor slob in the orchestra. <laughs> That's right. He, I guess, admits he's out of tune, I guess, because he doesn't know whether he's out of tune or not or something.
0: Yeah.
1: And the guy kicks him out. Yeah. And he says later, he says, well, he wasn't out of tune. But since he didn't know whether he was out of tune or not, that was bad enough. So I say, this guy.
2: Absolutely. He didn't
1: know whether or not he
2: spoke. (laughs) He had a white supremacist (laughs) (laughs) class. It's like, you should know that. And if you don't, I don't think you belong in Washington.
0: Yeah. So there's that.
1: Um, The state of police in the country is really quite yucky. Yeah. Uh one article that Bosch sent me, Ugh. arrests plummet sixty six percent with an NYPD virtual okay, that, that. work stoppage. I thought
2: I was talking about the uh Fonzie piece.
1: Oh well there's that too. I've got that in here yeah. as well. Um you know, so so they are in a virtual work stoppage according to the New York Post, as I recall. That was a New York Post piece. And if that's the case, I mean, first of all I don't blame them necessarily because they're being attacked literally.
2: Yes, they are literally.
1: Not being just. Being mowed down. And there there was some horrible tweet by some woman out today, like, value black lives by shooting police officers in the face or something. I don't know if it was serious or not. I couldn't it's even just, yeah, it seriously.
2: there are uh, These scum are out there, and they're expressing everything they can. They're loving it.
1: And then you have people like Nick Gillespie over at Reason third Magazine. Great, third
2: grade, third grade Fonzie, but go on. <laughs>
1: Saying, Lousy. We, we need our police to be better than this. No, we
2: need our writers to, to be better than this. We need our thinkers to be better than this piece. We he need, gives a pass to Barack Obama. To
0: be he gives
2: a pass to Barack Obama to um, De Blasio to Sharpton to all the scum who started this fire. He gives a pass to all of them and blames all on the on the cops. And he says it's just emotion. The cops, they're acting like a, like a college kids, you know, really. Really, Nick, two of them were butchered. That's the point here, right? This is in the wake of that. What an idiot
1: yeah, and you know what I would like to see because Gillespie has been on Red Eye a few times.
2: yeah, I want to see him, him and, and
1: I know that Gutfeld, you know, based on watching his tweets and all the things he was putting out there, he was profoundly affected by the attack on police officers in New York City and very sympathetic, very pro police. And to see those two, I mean, you know, to what I want to say to Gutfeld is, Greg Gutfeld, there is a difference between so libertarians, some of them which have anarchist-type leaning.
2: Yeah.
1: Which that's and what the whole piece here sounded like. And Absolutely.
2: And, and I'm not sure if he understands it, but I hope he has them on. I hope they discuss this because this Gillespie character. You know, don't it so re- don't, ugly. don't
1: read Atlas Shrugged because it's
0: this big, huge book. And that
2: was the uh, that ed- was the ed- chief. Yes.
0: Right? yes, he didn't
2: read Atlas Shrugged because it's just it's just too big. You know, it's just too big. I mean, yeah. I, what, what an imbecile! And he doesn't realize that the movement was actually propelled by that book. But uh, Gillespie, what he wrote in here, uh, check it out if you can bear it. But it's just it's so ugly, and he gives all the wrong people a pass. All those who started this fire, he said that. Uh, he was defending Obama by saying the spurious charge that he had something that he was trying to create a conflict between the cops and the citizens. That's absolutely true. He also said in the wake of uh, the Michael Brown killing, and you know, cops got to be careful, got to rethink things. Like in the wake of what? Michael Brown was a thug. Garner, it was a terrible situation where laws are what they are. These corrupt laws force cops to go enforce the laws, and things like that happen. It's terrible. But every all the blame was on the cops. And that's just pathetic. And he has to really change his jacket. I mean, he can't wear a leather jacket you know, all year long, summer, winter. You really, really can't. I mean, every time you go on television.
1: He's trying to be like the Steve Jobs in <laughs> uniform yeah, but, of cultural intellectuals. Yeah, but,
2: right? but Steve Jobs wore a carpool sweater of you know, some kind, like a like a turtleneck type thing. This guy has a jacket at all times, no. summertime.
1: So we definitely have that to deal what with. Pose. What an these absolute are, pose. These are liberals, racists. And capital L, as people are saying in the chat room here, yes. capital L libertarians with anarchist-type leanings are going after police so right this now. Is... And are police perfect all the time? Absolutely no. not. Absolutely but not. The, you know, the, the question is – and you know, I think a lot of this can reveal whether or not people agree at a fundamental level with the function of police and the right. fact that police belong to government. If you believe, oh, well, we really shouldn't have government. Instead, we should have – Competing security organizations yeah. or whatever, then you're probably gonna, you know, go after the police as an institution because Which of some is what bad he did.
2: apples. Which is what he did.
1: And that's,
2: that's he's condemning stuff. cops and he's uh, defending all the bad guys who started this crap. And uh, for Reason magazine, I mean, they just have to think, think about that and say, well, that's not, you know, mm-hmm. this is what, what do you say. These, these are not the kind of cops we need, or how do you put it? What was the title of this?
1: Oh, oh, he said we need our police to be better than Yeah, this. we
2: need our intellectuals to be better than this. A lot better, Reason Magazine. Pathetic.
0: It really is. It
1: really is. We're coming up here at the top of the hour, just about. So I'll just remind everybody who are listening to Don't Let It Go Unheard. I'm Amy Peekoff. We've got cartoonist Bosch Faustin sitting here. And we are talking about trying to have a vision for 2015. It may not just be a vision that concerns only 2015. Right. Think of how far in advance you're picturing it out there. But you want to be able to have this vision that is achievable within your lifetime and that you can measure concrete progress moving toward. And we're trying to get a handle on how do we do that, especially those of us who are... Working with the culture engaging with the culture looking at this. I mean, I, I like that Gutfeld was out there very pro policeman, yeah. But in effect, he's revealing he's not so libertarian um, Well, that's so the thing. No, but,
2: no, but thing about Greg, you know, Greg Gutfeld. He doesn't want to be pigeonholed but You got to make a position you got to take a stand at a certain point and he took a stand for the for that He did yeah. and also, you know, when it comes to just read out a shrug, Greg, I know you're listening. Just read it, man I know it's bigger than you, but it's okay. (laughs) Just read it.
1: It depends which edition.
2: Some of the (laughs) editions are smaller than yours, but some are definitely bigger. That's true. That's right. He's he's a good guy. He is, and uh, we've had our you know runs, but I just read the book, man. Read Atlas Shrugged, Mm -hmm. and you know he can really he distinguishes himself from uh, Gillespie and the other guys. Absolutely does makes a lot more sense. And then he's dead wrong about uh, Snowden, so, you
0: know.
1: PJ Media warns us that we have more Obamacare ugliness coming your way. And what they're referring to in particular is people who have been getting subsidies, subsidies for their health insurance premiums they're going to have to reconcile the amount of income that they actually earned in 2014 with the amount of income that they projected earning. So if you earned more than you projected, you will be punished. Um, Basically, you will have money either taken out of your refund or maybe you'll even owe tax because these subsidies are tax credits. And so, you know, again, it's, it's another way, another small way, in which our government punishes the successful. There's this person who's just kind of ignorant about exactly what's going on. Oh, you mean the government's going to pay for part of my health insurance? Oh, that sounds cool. Mm. Oh, how much am I going to make in 2014? Oh, I don't know. Maybe I'm going to make 30000 And then, actually, I don't even know if you're allowed to make 30000 and get subsidies. So if I'm wrong on that, excuse me. But... You know, you, you tell them on the little form that you're going to make $30,000 in healthcare.gov, and they say, oh, great, we're going to subsidize this worthless health insurance plan for you that won't do anything for you, but nonetheless, you will have complied with the law. And they pay that money out of everybody else's pocket on your behalf. And then if you happen to succeed and do really well and make more than 30000 then you'll get a big bill at the end. It is horrible.
0: That's evil. I mean,
1: I mean talk about this, right? I mean, you know, right now as it stands, people who work for a salary and have withholding out of their paycheck. They're always doing that dance of the government is hanging on to your money all year long and then you have to beg the IRS to give it back to you in April because you've overpaid in some kind of taxes. But imagine they've given you money and then you have to give it back to them. This is going to be a wake-up call, hopefully, for some people. So maybe this will coincide with the other things that are going on to change the acceleration in the opposite direction. I mean, we'll see. Uh, Yucky, horrible news. Olive Branch to the mullahs. Obama will not rule out an embassy in Tehran. The other... Interesting aspect of this news story, and again, all these stories that I'm talking about, go to my blog at DontLetItGo.com, and you can see under the program notes all these stories that I'm talking about. This story from the Daily Mail uh, made a point of telling us that there was an interview with Obama where he was talking about this. Um, It was the day after Obama said he would normalize relations with Cuba that he did this interview, and I believe it was NPR – that held the interview back for 11, 11 days. days. It used to be that in the top matter, in the, in the subheads of this article over at the Daily Mail, it told you which news outlet it was that held the interview back for 11 days. But right now it doesn't say that up in the top. Oh, yeah, it is NPR. It is NPR. So if you just go into the couple paragraphs. But imagine, so NPR, as good and as objective it has been sometimes now, Nonetheless, it is still carrying water for Obama because they're thinking, look, this is just too much outrage. They're saying, OK, you know, um, and, and I mean, it would be a natural thing to ask him. He's going to normalize relations with Cuba. And so if you're a, an astute interviewer, you will ask him, hey, well, what about Iran? And he says, hey, I'm not going to rule out an embassy, embassy. in Tehran.
2: Embassy, Embassy. Yeah. in the greatest state sponsor of terrorism on earth, mm-hmm. murders of Americans. Death to America is their motto right. for 30 plus years. Right. They want to nuke Israel. They said so openly. Uh, this is who he wants to be. And, and You know what? I'll tell you this, and I will read it if you don't mind. Obama wanted, quote, unquote, fundamental transformation for America. Yeah, consider what, it, what he wants. He wants no such thing for dictatorship he's working with. He expects no change from Iran, he expects zero change from Cuba. America he wants to fundamentally transform. And think about what this says about him. And what he thinks needs fundamental transmission. We need to be transformed into them, is what he's saying. You know. Or at as, least
1: to be sympathetic to them. As
2: Michael Savage says, third world countries, you know.
1: You know, this is the thing. We can make our own vision or we can let people like Obama make it for us. And his vision for us is to become in effect second class citizens to yeah. these other
2: Absolute interests. He wants to basically take the idea that America's special and just nuke it. We're no different than others. That's his whole thinking, if you want to call it thinking. We're not special. There's nothing exceptional about America. American exceptionalism. Remember he said we're talking about you know, Swedish exceptionalism. Remember that? Yeah. Because it's just it's just it's just interchangeable, right?
1: Well, you know, and it it was interesting too because there there was someone on Facebook when I posted this story early in the week and he says, "Well, you know, Obama is right." And he quoted some passage from Obama in there. And Obama is saying, "Well, if the moderate interests in Iran win moderate win in, well, just listen. Right. So so if if the moderate interests in Iran win over the hardliners, then, you know, these moderate people, they have a lot of good to offer us and everything's going to be peachy keen and fine and dandy. I mean, you know, obviously, I'm not giving you an exact quote. I'm paraphrasing. But my point is, okay, yeah, if the hardliners yielded to the moderates in Iran, then the world would be a better place. That is true.
0: Why would But they? there's
1: only one problem. <laughs> the hardliners are not going to yield to the moderates. Why would they? And so why would you even talk about – The
2: moderates are the impotent. They are. Right for 30, 40 years have been trying to like... Nothing. They can't do anything. The mullahs are in control. They've always been in control. They have these interchangeable kind of presidents that they show for the public.
0: Right.
2: It's the mullahs. It's the mullah... You know what I mean? It's them.
0: Right.
1: So you can't say, I'm going to dictate my foreign policy or I'm going to speculate about what my foreign (sighs) policy would be in an impossible scenario. That's
2: the whole thing. This guy's, I mean, he's not living in reality.
1: Yeah. So this, I mean, that's
0: really what it is. Well,
1: and this is, this is a whole new idea of a vision that doesn't match up with reality. So we can be at fault for having a vision his that vision doesn't match up with year. reality. But his vision is inimical to human life. Absolutely. And doesn't match up with reality. So.
2: But think about what he cares about and what he doesn't care about, what he shows. I mean, again, he wants to work with Cuba dictatorship. And, and his state department listed him as a terrorist state. His state department. And Iran also. So terrorist states, fine. America needs to be transformed. That's all you want to know about this low life.
1: So foreign policy, eh? not so much right now, but again, we may have a chance to affect foreign policy for the better in the next couple of years because of the Republican majorities in the House and the Senate. We'll have to see if that gets better
2: out there. Uh, so. Well, the leader of the GOP is uh, Ted Cruz. I mean, whatever is going to happen, he's de- going to make de facto. He is. I mean, his. He he's the guy who's going to try to do things within the next year or two to 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 prepare for 2016.
1: Trevor says the hardliners in Iran have guns, God, and gold, and no morality not to use them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And maybe they're going to get nukes.
2: Yes. So. You know, and we've been allowing them to get nukes. We, uh, some of us, some some of our government want them to get nukes. Obama wants them to get nukes.
1: Oh gosh, you know, Daniel. Just going back to that other story about how the government is going to screw you if you've been getting subsidies for your uh, insurance. Um, what do you call them? <laughs> insurance premiums. I'm sorry, it's late. Um, subsidies for your insurance premiums. He says, you know what's messed up? He says, if you underpay. You owe fees, penalties, and interest. He says, if you get a refund, that really means you've given an interest-free loan to the feds because those feds sure as hell only go in one direction. Yeah, it's horrible.
2: Yeah, but they. So like Obama expects uh, the best from the worst. You know what I mean, from from Iran, he says, "I'm like they can enter, they can engage the world again, they can enter. Why would they?" Right. They're a dictatorship. They're the greatest state sponsored terrorism on Earth. They want America wiped out. Why would they? Trevor feels
1: pressure to have alliteration in his chat room comments because he says, remember he talked about hardliners have guns, God, yeah. and gold? He says, I couldn't think of a nuke word huh. that started with a G.
0: Gook. Yes. No. no. Okay.
1: Is there some sort of... Um,
2: Gamma bomb. Is that right? That's in the comic books. That's how Bruce Banner became the Hulk.
1: You did it! You did it! That's right. I like it. I just high fived here in the studio for those who couldn't see. So here we go. Let's let's look to what it is on college campuses right now. We're going to get through this bad news, I think, relatively quickly. So this is uh, from the American Spectator. Again, check out all these stories. Don't let it go. Dot com. Uh, it. The headline here is. Free speech is so last century. Today's students want the quote, the quote, right to be comfortable, end quote. Student unions, no platform policy is expanding to cover pretty much anyone whose views don't fit the prevailing group think.
2: This is scary stuff
1: says, have you met the Stepford students? They're everywhere, on campuses across the land, sitting stony-eyed in lecture halls or surreptitiously policing beer-fueled banter in the uni bar. They look like students, dress like students, smell like students, but their student brains have been replaced by brains bereft of critical faculties and programmed to conform. To the untrained eye, they seem like your average book-devouring ideas discussing H&M adorned youth, but... Anyone who spent more than five minutes in their company will know that these students are far more interested in shutting debate down than opening it up. And apparently there's students all over this is talking in particular about students at Oxford.
2: And listen to some what what some of them say. It's just uh, it's 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 pretty scary. And no doubt there are a number of them.
1: Um and so you said look at the quotes from what they're yeah. saying. So show me show me where the ones are in particular that you wanted to Highlight.
0: So this is Oxford. They
2: were all the more conservative people back then. Hmm?
1: Oh no, no, go ahead. I'm I'm just I'm just waiting wanna, to see what they were. I don't want to well, look Well, well, so so you can go ahead and get there some were of a the few quotes in particular. But the, but the point is is that there is this basically kind of peer pressure on campus. So it's not even that they're getting rules put in by the administration, no, right, it's, it's They themselves. are shutting each other down.
2: Absolutely the right. The
1: students are intimidating their fellow students to not think anything outside the group thing. Yeah, just again, you know, where
2: once students might have allowed their eyes and ears to be bombarded by everything from risque political propaganda to raunchy rock, now they insulate themselves from anything that might dent their self-esteem, quote-unquote self-esteem, and crime of crimes make them feel, quote, uncomfortable, unquote. Student groups insist that online articles should have quote trigger warnings unquote in case their subject matter might cause offense. And there's something else here. There's another line. Um, I just back then people were making those uh, misanthropic. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just trying to find this one. We have the right to feel comfortable. Okay. We have the right to feel comfortable. You know. And so <laughs> think this, about this, that. this is
1: the right to not be offended, yeah. right? Yes. The right to not be their offended.
2: eyes. Uh, we have the right to feel. Comfortable. They all said like a mantra. One, a bloke said that the compulsory sexual content classes recently introduced for 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 freshers at Cambridge to teach to teach what is and what isn't rape were a great idea because they might weed out quote pre rapists. You understand? Know
0: pre rapists. Men who
2: haven't raped anyone but might. So you know they can uh, isolate those pre rapists. Say that guy. That's a pre rapist over there.
1: Rob Avira reminds us of something, and I saw this on Twitter today as well. It was a tweet from the police in Scotland. Mm, yes, I saw that. that. They are monitoring social media for <sighs> offensive comments, and that anybody who has these offensive comments is going to be subject to investigation. Just, that sounds ominous. It sounds, it's just incredible. And it does, it sounds very much like attackwatch.com. tackle. Uh, High state defiance, by the way. State defiance is over here in the chat room at Blog Talk I Radio. Welcome.
2: And yeah. <laughs> Trevor What
0: WTF, WTF is, is it? A That's the
2: whole thing. It's like someone who looks like they might rape. We gotta uh we have to get rid of that person. Because, you know, they might rape. This is sick.
1: So these are the students. The students have lost their minds. On the other hand, this is interesting. Self censorship. New York Post story and the headline is Harvard makes sense. Did you see this story, Josh? Okay, it says, typically we don't find ourselves cheering on the folks that ivory tower up in Cambridge, Massachusetts. But whenever there is an outbreak of common sense on our elite campuses, we aim to encourage it. In that spirit, as the year draws to a close, we salute Harvard and especially its president, Drew Faust. This month, so we were we given Faust. fresh evidence of Faust's leadership when she put the kibosh on Harvard Dining Services' decision to stop buying water machines from the Israeli company SodaStream. So, the um, Dining Services company, oh excuse me, the Dining Services division of Harvard, was going to stop buying the SodaStream machines, the Israeli company SodaStream. Yes. Why? Because Palestinians think it's a microaggression whenever you have a soda stream machine sitting there with their logo, they right? Think
0: a
2: Jew
1: How dare
2: Israel is a
0: microaggression.
1: succeed and have a right to exist and, and live, right? That's a microaggression that they actually live and that they yes, refuse to they just breathe, die. They right? breathe, What? Yeah, they live and breathe. It's micro- that's offensive. Yeah, that's right. Um, and so Harvard Dining Services was going to capitulate to this alleged microaggression. Accusation, and say, oh, oh, we're so sorry you're offended. We won't have these machines. And it turns out the president of Harvard said, uh-uh, you're not going to be intimidated by that garbage. It says the decision was made more than six months ago, but never publicly disclosed until the Harvard Crimson recently reported it, followed complaints by the Harvard-Palestine Solidarity Committee, an Islamic society that seeing soda stream machines was a quote microaggression to their members. Uh, Faust immediately ordered an investigation complaining she'd never been informed of the move. At her direction, the university provost issued a statement reaffirming that Harvard's quote procurement decisions will not be driven by individuals' views on quote political controversy, end quote, yay. No. Yeah. Because surprised. that is awesome. So the students are horrible, and here we have a president of a top elite university in the United States. So, I mean, you think about
0: this.
2: I mean, the students also. For Bill Maher, remember they were trying to get rid of him. Not the school. The school had to stand up and say, "Uh, uh, uh, uh. no, we're going to have him on." Right. Well, what's going on here? This is self censorship. This is what they were trying to teach them, and they they learn well. Shut their minds. Shut their own minds down, yep. before they offend the person next to them.
0: Uh.
1: So here we go it says the uh, and there's a I've got this follow-on story which because we've got both Oxford in one story and Harvard in another story we have two elite universities but here in the United States here we've got Harvard one of the cream of the crop yep. where the president has some common sense which is nice. Mark Cuban, did you see this story recently that Mark Cuban is warning the the student loan loan. bubble is no different than the housing bubble? And that when it bursts, there's going to be a number of colleges, universities, basically, you know, post-secondary education that's going to go out of business. And all I can say is that I hope that the more rational universities are going to be the ones that stay, that there's enough of a free market left Right. In education, so that the people whose presidents are like Faust at Harvard are going to survive,
0: right.
1: and even if the students are irrational, maybe there's going to be, you know, sort of a re- revival of rationality. Are they calling for his resignation?
2: The, the the students?
1: Actually, it's a woman. Oh. So they would be sexist if they called for her resignation. they're
2: uh, so like, uh, okay, we can't do that. That's right. Is she black also, because that's a, you know.
1: I have no idea what race she is. Because
2: <laughs> that's impossible for them. Oh, my God.
1: Well, and, and at first when I was reading her name, it was Drew Faust. So I was like, oh, okay. oh is Drew a man or a woman? Because it could be both. Right. Either, whatever.
2: Um, good.
1: But, yeah, that good. was, that was a, a bit of good news. But she won't that,
2: last long, but that's good.
1: Another bit of good news is completely now. in Spanish. So I'm going to try to read you the headline, sure. and then I'm just going to tell you what I know the story to be because of a listener, Craig, who sent it to me. Uh, it's Utec Presento su Nuevo Campus Universitario oh. de Estados Unidos, uh, is I don't know what a hundred mil- millones is.
2: Utec <laughs> <laughs> Proyecto se nuevo campus universitario. more We don't know Italian, Spanish.
1: Actually. How bad can we not know Spanish? That I'm sounds more,
2: more Italian anyway. Is... Hey, oh, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> See, that, that's my Italian. Hey, I don't. <laughs> the, the story is I want to learn Italian. That one of the, t- the
1: top technical universities in Peru is getting a $100 million grant from, I believe, a top mining company in right? Peru. And so the point is is that you've got productive companies creating values, and they are realizing that they need to have well-educated students who ha- actually have an education that means something, like the technical degrees that are given out by wow. this university in Peru, and they're investing their money in it. So the future of education is to actually have the businesses who want students to have a certain education invest in them getting that education. And that was part of the reason that BB&T had education programs throughout the country, too, because they realized that the success of their bank
0: depended on
1: implementing RAND's philosophy. And so that it was crucial that RAND's philosophy be taught in undergraduate and also business schools. awesome. In the area that feeds BB&T so I like I like to see that kind of thing another bit of good news oh yeah 100 million oh I know 100 million (laughs) dollars Craig in the chat room is Uh, uh, I I, I knew that was 100 million (laughs)
2: remember uh, uh, do you see uh, a fish called Wanda a long time ago. Kevin Klein. he spoke Italian to his girlfriend. But it wasn't. Mazzarella. <laughs> <A> prosciutto. <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, she kept saying food. <laughs> Linguine, <laughs> Yeah, You know, it was hilarious, <laughs> man. It was so funny. Uh, that was hilarious. Okay. Yeah, sorry. <laughs>
1: Movies can provide that kind of awesome uh, entertainment. We watched, actually, the other day, Groundhog Day.
2: Yes. I love Groundhog Day. Which is really fun. We saw it back-to-back three times. I don't know which one. We just kept seeing it.
1: (laughs) Put Groundhog on a continuous
2: loop. We should do that for Christmas. I mean, it's just continuous loop. Keep it on. It's so good. It's so well written.
1: Tony in Ohio says, I'm Sicilian, so why the collectivist thinking? <laughs> Jews and Italians talk with their hands, so state defiance. That's right. Um, state defiance, are you either Jewish or Italian? If not, you are not allowed
0: <laughs> to say that in our
2: chat room. <laughs> That's right. I've worked for um, Italians, and they definitely they speak with their hands. They're from Italy, these guys.
1: A piece of good uh, news? Mr.
2: Bosch. You, re- you ready for a going. piece of good yeah. news? Yes.
1: Well, I mean, it, you know, we could have put the link to the bad news in here. Or you could say that France had good news overall because, you know, here's two different stories. One of them is that instead of 1,067 cars, yeah. burnt, cars burnt on New Year's Eve, this year it was only 940 oh cars burnt on New Year's Eve in France. Can you believe Sick. that every new year... The French have to be worried about whether their car is going French to be ride. burnt to a crisp
2: yeah, by Muslim cars. protesters. Yes, and they say, actually, some story, some story said the French burnt their cars to celebrate the. No, why would you burn cars to celebrate New Year's? It's 99.9% savage Muslims going out there and just doing it. Because that's what they do.
1: Some people make comments about like putting pigs' blood and bacon all over your car and hoping (laughs) that that's right.
2: That's right. right. Anywhere near. That's true. They would think twice.
1: Do you think they would? Yeah,
2: I think they would. Yeah. Or they
1: just throw their fire starting thing from far away? Well,
2: if you put like a a sausage link uh, twenty feet from the car, like a thousand of them, you know what I mean, around your car, (laughs) I mean they have to step around it. Oh, I can't do. They'll slip and fall into the sausage, you know. And then, then they'll smell it and say, oh, uh, you know. Actually, you d- know. They'll as long.
0: So
1: when I went to high school a long time ago, the there was always some sort of a prank that was played by the senior class when they were on the outgoing senior class. And what they did the year that I was there was they stacked all the lunch tables that were outside, right? They stacked all the lunch, oh, carbecues <laughs> <laughs> <That was bad. laughs>
2: You talked about That
1: is terrible. <laughs> um, Hilarious.
2: It's really bad. French fry barbecues. Sorry, what were we saying?
1: Um, so they stacked all the lunch tables on top of, you know, like into a big pyramid. So they took all the school lunch tables, put them in a big pyramid, and then at the very top, they put Bob from Bob's Big Boy. And I don't know if people know Bob's Big Boy, but that was like a burger chain out here. And there was like a huge fiberglass Bob bigger than life-size outside of every Bob's big boy, so they stole the one from the... The stealing is not good. This is a prank. It's bad, you know. Okay, but they they put it at the top. And to make the whole structure of the pyramid and the Bob on the top last longer, what they did is they put slippery stuff on all of the different steps leading up to the top of this pyramid that was constructed of school lunch tables. Um, the other thing that they did, by the way, it's just not even relevant to this, but they put uh, plastic forks into the ground with the prongs side up, huh. and they put it all over the grass on the entire campus, like the quad or whatever, the mid part of the campus, all the grass, just like plastic forks all through it. And then it would say, fork you, get forked, uh, you know, it's... fork off or something, whatever. They Just bad stuff, right? But, but I think this. Putting the greasy stuff on the tables was quite ingenious because it prevented the administrators or whoever was cleaning this up and trying to get Bob rescue Bob. They couldn't get to him for a while because everything was slippery and and slick. So what you got to do if you're in France is put a lot of bacon grease. Huh,
0: that's
2: right. A lot of bacon and advertise grease. that loudly. It,
1: it would be so fun to watch the Muslims like sliding Absolutely. in bacon grease.
2: And I'm like, and yeah, but once they come into contact with it and smell it and they'll just they'll give up Islam. That's so we would make
1: we would make the world a better place yes. by selling big tubs of
0: bacon Absolutely. grease
1: to the French yes. to please secure their cars, the safety of their cars on New Year's Eve.
2: By the way, I had some French fries the old day and they were extra French. do, do you know what that means? They <laughs> I were do, a little I, I saw your picture. They were a little limpy, they go on. <laughs> um
1: another good so, so yeah, okay. If we look at it in relative terms, fewer cars were burned this year than last year. Somebody <sighs> speculated that it was because they had fewer cars to burn. Right. That's savage. fewer cars were
2: out there being being parked. Maybe they parked them elsewhere. Maybe they're. I mean, maybe who knows?
1: I would put mine but in a garage.
2: Y- I mean, you wake up and your because car is burnt to a crisp because some savages thought that that was something worth doing.
1: The worst I've had is I went out one day and my cars, my tires of my car were all vandalized mm. flat. So that's horrible. But that that's the worst I've had. Um actually, no, I had my car stolen once. That was awesome. But I got it back. Anyway, uh France, you know, had that horrible 75% super tax of the millionaires. Do you remember that?
2: Yes, uh where uh...
0: Gerard departs <laughs> Depart, Depart, when he left, adieu.
2: Well, Gerard, I could depart- not say when we <laughs> were said, talking about He said, depart adieu." <laughs> so I said, and uh, I made a cartoon: uh, Gerard depart adieu. <laughs> he checked out. I, I think he's a he's a Russian now, or oh, poor
1: guy. Yeah, Russia's not doing so hot either. No,
2: but still the same five percent tax. I mean, it's just
1: anyway. Apparently, they've already dropped it. They have. So how many times can I mean, it, I, can,
2: I... It, can they drop their uh, their uh, president, please?
1: this is the thing that makes it so lame right i mean we've in our country we have kind of gone back and forth on taxes a few times as well they've increased nice. the top marginal rate they've decreased it and back and forth and it again goes to this problem of having a vision of the future that tries to hold at least somewhat constant all of you know the things out there that are government now obviously government is man made but in terms of you trying to plan your life in the context, it is not quite the law of gravity, obviously, but you're trying to plan long range. Human beings want to plan long range. So suppose you are Gerard Depart-Adieu. <laughs> Depart-Adieu. Adieu.
2: Depart, adieu. adieu. Did, no, I adieu. Did, did I do it, said, it again? Yes, you did. Gerard Depart-Adieu. That's it.
1: Thank you. Suppose you're him. Yeah. <laughs> and you think, okay, now I'll move back to France. And the right. next year they go, Boom. oh, we were only yes. joking. Yes. We'll put it back again. Yes. I mean, uh, this is horrible. That's the when, thing. When the government has the power to just arbitrarily come in and increase that tax Bellagineo. rate, because a mob mentality takes over.
2: Yeah. Oh, and, bad Yeah. And that's what it is.
1: And that—that's what I worry about. With, for instance, you know, Elizabeth Warren. What was the the, the name that he had for Elizabeth Warren I don't remember out of out, out of uh, the Potemkin head
2: uh well the uh, drilling beast yes the yeah. drilling beast no she has tapped into that yes and uh, hopefully you can get a fighter against her so
1: the drilling beast in France has decided that they didn't like
2: Gerard depart adieu yeah and all the, other people... adieu. <laughs> all the other people leaving so so said he's in Belgium now Isn't... maybe maybe that's the case I. Maybe.
1: Good for him, because I heard that the... Yeah, he had to get the hell out.
2: In, in he had to get out. That's it. It's just enough. Enough.
1: Yeah, Tony says it would be nice if we just applied ethics consistently, thereby making extortion illegal for everyone, not just the ruled. Exactly. And that's what's... I mean, right now, it's what's going on. is All, all they have to do is Obama's going to use his pen and phone and Extort
2: more from us as much as we can next couple it,
1: years. But he's always
2: doing something bad with these executive results. Always.
1: On on the bright side, as I said, we have people like Alex Epstein Absolutely. going out there with Chicken a butt. very important issue: fossil fuels,
2: and and getting on, uh,
1: penetrating the culture in a huge way.
2: Huge way. Best selling books. Major and, media uh, outlets. Med- McLaughlin mentions yeah. McLaughlin Group. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, most original thinker. That's that's a huge honor. I mean, that's that's great. He was also on MSNBC recently. There were some some little rats around him. And they were like, they were sneering more or less. It was just, uh, it's tough to watch, but whatever. I, I mean, you got to go into the
0: Lion belly fan. of the beast. Mm-hmm. You really do. You have to. Right. And it, it's, it's... If confusing.
2: you want to get it out there, well, battle them.
1: And he's also done it on the street,
2: yep. in the middle of Literally, protest. Literally, right. Literally up against the the rats. Who are uh, protesting against reality and mankind?
1: Having an effect, having a good time doing it, and being able to see measurable results, although not necessarily in the form of political change right. yet.
0: And that's fine. There, you there, make is, your there
1: is, you know, again, what do you look at? He, he says, look, we can look at the you fact build. that there are some pro fossil fuel politicians being elected. Yes. Okay, great.
2: And you make the argument and you build and build. Uh, I mean, uh, Thatcher said something about make the argument, then you win. Whereas Chris Christie was like, just win. Don't worry about the arguments. And that doesn't work. It never does. So you build. That's what Ted Cruz has been doing for the last two years, building and building and building to the point where you say, well, he's the only guy who's been doing these, who's been actually saying these things, arguing for them, arguing for them. And that's the whole thing. People say, oh, he's not done anything. He's arguing for a better Washington, a better politics. He's arguing for it every day. That's doing something. I mean, it makes people think, well, there's hope in Washington now.
1: You know, Brian Yoder on Facebook the other day reposted, there was a piece from Cruz where Cruz listed 76 things that Obama did that were illegal or something like that. So he's out there pointing to bad actions by politicians in Washington. He's pointing to them. And this serves a value. It it definitely does. Whether- 20
2: It's only 76? True. That's right. but, but there were, um, I guess. Actually, that were, was, that was were, a while were, ago. Yeah. That was like in and the They spring. were particularly egregious, let's say. He, every, every day had. he does something. But uh, he's the only one going out there and is both barrels against the GOP, against the Democrats who have conspired to make the mess of it that it is. They've double teamed us. And he's saying, no more. I mean, we, Republicans have to, be, have to be Republicans, and I'm trying to be a model for that.
0: Right. And this
2: is what Republicans are supposed to be.
1: And, and he is good. So in terms of you know, what sort of vision
2: you have for the
1: future that is relevant or, or related to somebody like a Ted Cruz, it's something that I've talked about before, and I was talking about this with Brittany Faye Rivera from The Undercurrent when she was on the show. And I was saying, look – Here is a politician who was exposed to and really liked a lot of Ayn Rand's ideas, enough to go on the floor of the Senate and recommend Atlas Shrugged that everybody go out and read.
2: And refer to Ayn Rand as one of my all-time heroes. Right.
1: So – even though he's not an objectivist, and it would be completely irrational to say, okay, no. I know in 2017 he's going to be president, and he's going to just like turn on a switch but, and become an objectivist. That's not happening. It can't happen. But what is happening is we are seeing some better politicians where the difference that makes the difference has been exposure to Rand's ideas. That is happening. Ron, Ronald Reagan
2: admired I.R.E.N.T. He was an admirer of I.R.E.N.T. Of course he was. He was one of the most decent presidents in the last, you know, 30 years.
1: So what we reasonably could hope for in the future is with all the other things that we're doing and everybody working in the areas that they are most attracted to working in and getting the truth out about whatever issue that they're interested in, we could see more people like Ted Cruz and not necessarily just in politics. I mean, we can see people in you know again ceo of a of a bank
2: and comic books you know oh
1: <laughs> i think comic books is changing though right it you don't have to be part of a big house no. anymore no, in don't. order to have an effect i no. mean some of your comics right the infidel over on comicsology yeah. has just as many reviews that is, as uh, a
2: lot of the mainstream ones right. yeah that's yeah. true
1: so it i think it shows that in order to have an effect on the culture you don't necessarily have to be part of a big... A, a lot of things are changing. And one of the main priorities, I think, for us should be keeping the Internet free. Keeping, you know, arguing for security on the Internet, which is something that I'm doing, where I'm trying to argue repeatedly and that that's whole need thing. to eliminate...
2: That's a that rational response doctrine, to that, right? exactly. Right. Whereas Obama wants to take over. <laughs> you know I mean, that's a whole different... And again, he's going after North Korea. No, When the word is that North Korea... Didn't... And you know what? You started to... Say, wait a minute! North Korea didn't do this because Obama said they did. As soon as he, as soon as he said they did, uh oh, you know they didn't do it. So,
1: yeah. Obama says my strong arm is tired, <laughs> and then Rob asks, "Is that the arm he holds his pen and phone with?" I. <laughs> anyway, we, we we do. I mean, we're going to be enduring. Yes. Obama surviving Obama. I, you know I have I have some hope that Ted Cruz will provide some principled opposition.
2: He will. And that
1: he's going to have some backup.
2: You get Boehner out, the landscape has changed. Yeah. Because then they won't have someone as bad as Boehner. They're going to have to have someone who's better than Boehner. Extraordinarily better? I don't know. Better than Boehner. Then you might have a fight going on in Washington. Mm -hmm. You might have gridlock. You might have something real going on, a real battle, where you could cripple this guy, his presidency, in a serious way.
1: We are going to be disappointed by whatever the Republicans end up getting accomplished. No doubt, we always are. Always are. Uh, We're going to be discouraged. We're going to be discouraged by the fact that Cruz will focus too much on immigration or abortion Abortion, abortion, or gay gay marriage. marriage. Um, These are all going to happen, okay? But what we get to see is some principled, hopefully partially effective opposition of Obama over the next couple of years and maybe inspiration for future politicians who will also be inspired by RAND. In the meantime, there's all these developments in the culture. Uh, Another thing that's going on, which is really nice, is the Ayn Rand Institute is putting available free online through the Ayn Rand campus a lot of courses where people can learn so much about the history of philosophy, about objectivism, about objective communication, and all you have to do is just go there and sign up and get a full education basically for free there. So there's a lot of young kids. If they are interested in Rand's ideas, God, if that was online Mm. when I was going to college. Right,
2: right,
0: Right.
1: And I had a laptop.
0: That's true. I mean, that that
1: would have been amazing. So I think this is wonderful. There's going to be a lot more opportunities for future Ted is people who are even better than Ted Cruz to come on to the political scene, but that is for the future, yes. right? And so part of it is, you know, supporting what, and I'm, I'm, I don't work right now for the Ayn Rand Institute, but I, I really think that putting those ideas out there online for free, I've done work for them obviously. So that's my disclosure, but, um, that that is a, a very valuable thing. If you find, this show valuable you can support us but i mean you know here here's my vision really in terms of the next year for me what do i want to do this year to help continue this trend of acceleration in the right direction and one thing that i can do is definitely focus on my interests in legal academia right um, I've got the Legalizing Privacy talk. I'm going to be giving it in Denver next weekend. By the way, if you potentially can get in Denver next weekend and come see that talk, you're going to see a revised version of that talk, which is based on some of my most recent thinking on the topic that's been inspired by other privacy scholars, in particular Oren Kerr, right. Oren Kerr over the Vala Conspiracy, put out a new understanding of the reasonable expectation of privacy tests. And it's one that I've been able to jump off of and kind of, you know, kind of hone into more of a defense of my view of the third party doctrine. So that's good stuff. And, you know, what am I going to be trying to do over this next year? Say, look, we can eliminate this third party doctrine and still allow the government to do its job using secret agents. And, There's a way that we can do this. We can respect the rights of honest, productive individuals to have contracts with Facebook or your telephone service provider or Apple or anybody else and keep your stuff secure unless the government has a warrant. It would change the face of so much, and it would give us more security on the Internet than we have ever had, really. So that would be wonderful. So I'm going to work on that. And I'm starting to dabble in education law. I'm going to be teaching just a straight class on education law this coming semester. So focus on mastering that and seeing if that's something that I want to pursue in in terms of research and writing in the future. My first thing, though, is to get this legalizing privacy message out there in terms of speaking. Come have me speak if, if you want to for your city. But also... Um, You know, in book form, in book form, like Alex has done, is key. Absolutely. Get it out there. Get people thinking about this issue in a way that they have not thought about before. The idea that privacy can be based on property and contract. The idea that contract is a crucial right that must be respected for us to be able to live our lives. And I think privacy, if any issue, has shown that. You know, everybody thought, I don't know if people, you know, followed the history of contract law, but... It used to be that the Supreme Court would uphold contract as pretty much a sacred right, as a right that should not be infringed, and that was Lochner versus New York back in 1905. That has since been overturned, and the Supreme Court has decided, oh, you know, contract. We just give a minimal level of scrutiny to cases infringing on contract rights. Government can pretty much regulate contracts until it turns blue in the face. Right. And so contract is not anything that is taken really seriously. So when you have the third-party doctrine, this doctrine that first came up in a criminal context, you know, with these secret agents infiltrating the mafia or something – When you have that applied to an innocent contract between you and your phone company in the 1970s, I think that's wrong. But I think the reason that it's so easily applied is that people don't think of contract as any sort of sacred right that should be protected. And for a long time, it was easy to pretend that contracts were, quote, just about money. Uh, Contracts are now about your most private ideas. And I think that's something that that has come out now um, because of Warren Kerr's, you know, he, he was tracing the history of, of how the doctrine came to be applied. So that's something that I'm focusing on. So my vision is to get that next part of that message out there and give an even better defense of a proper understanding of privacy law. Uh, in addition with this show, what do we want to do with this show? We want to eventually expand this show. Of yeah. course, we have we have the project. Yes.
0: Coming,
1: and the project is huge.
2: Yes. In terms of... Uh, <laughs> I wish
1: we could just say what it is. But the, the I think the project could have impact. It's not going to have impact for a few years, unfortunately, because yeah. it's, it's a long project. Yeah. But it is something that I think will have a positive effect. It will help with this acceleration yes. of the culture in the proper I direction. I mean, what what could, what could you say? I mean, could you say within our lifetimes we can at least hope to be seeing the velocity going in the right direction? I think we could see that within yes. 20 years.
0: Absolutely.
1: I think within 20 years, even though everything's going to be screwed up royally by yeah. people like Obama, we could maybe see the velocity going in the right direction in 20 years. Yes. That is something that could happen. Whereas right now, the velocity is going in the wrong direction. We are headed over that cliff that Obama wants us to jump off.
2: But, you know, Rand's dimensions the, the of, of Rand, in The dimensions of Ryan Rand in the uh, culture
0: right.
2: are, end. I mean, it's daily, endless. And uh, writers have, uh, they need to write about her, whether it's against her, whether it's to mock her, whether, even NPR, though, had that relatively respectful, you know, little uh, write-up about uh, her novel, uh, the... Uh, Ideal. I do. Yeah, the
0: publication of Ideal.
2: It was nice to read, and sometimes you you read that. Of course, a lot of the, a lot of my hit pieces, even by those on the right. Remember that that pathetic uh, talk that uh, Whittle and uh, Claven had. It was right. disgusting. But they have to comment on her. Yes. They have to.
1: They're not ignoring her anymore. They can't. So there's that too.
2: There's that, and I think uh, with more exposure, there's a more appreciation for what she actually said, what she actually meant. And That's gonna be a difference also, because believe me I mean people the way they live their lives they look at objectivism, they can't have much argument against it by the way they live their lives by the way they they see reality um if you know they have to she has to be misinterpreted in other words, to be uh, the way she smeared
1: would you yeah. would you think it's unrealistic to think that we could have the velocity going in the right direction in ten years
2: you know I'm pretty. Um,
1: I, th- I think 20 is more I'm realistic. Pretty, op- pretty
2: optimistic, almost yeah. to the point where I didn't think Obama would be elected. Again, because uh, he's an anti American friend with a terrorist, Bill Ayers. I, I didn't believe it. But then you look at McCain. There was he, there was nothing against him yeah. for that to happen. And you look at eight years of Bush and what the Republicans did. They spent like uh, drunken Democrats. So. I have, you know, I made my mistakes. I just, I thought he couldn't get through. I thought Americans would see him for the scumbag that he is, and they didn't. But again, there was no battle against him. There was no champion against him, an American fighting to save the country from him. So if you have that, you know, there's a, Ted Cruz is building it. He's building. So we'll see.
1: we We have it, and will we have enough people behind him? And that's, the biggest question. So, so, I mean, really, really the idea is for us to do things that we enjoy doing, that we can provide value to other people over the next year, over the next three years, five years, 10 years, 20 years. And yes, maybe the world is going to change in the direction that we're working towards. Um, you know, how, how long do you keep going, and then if you see that it's not going to. But I, I we the are seeing is, signs. Yes, we are we seeing signs, are seeing and signs the thing of is acceleration to, in the right direction. Unequivocal.
0: The, no doubt about it.
1: That's it. Signs, and like I said, Alex Epstein from this past year is a is a huge, yep. I, I think thing. And the, the success of Free Market Revolution, your yep. uh, own getting to go talk about that book in China yes. probably had some effect. I know that the Chinese government recently what they're starting to crack down on what's going on in universities, probably in reaction to excitement about ideas like what your own spread in universities. Very,
2: very possible. That makes sense, because that was in the wake of that. But I mean, the thing is, you know, to keep fighting for the future, you know, because if you say, well, if you believe that nothing's going to happen, you're not going to do anything about it. It just depends on how long you think, that 10-year, 20-year, but you've got to keep fighting. We have the right ideas. We have the truth on our side. It's just a point about trying to get that message expanded in a bigger, bigger way. And that's what we hope to do, I think, this year.
1: So the next piece of puzzle is to make ourselves healthy and more productive so that whichever way we choose to go at this.
2: And less sleep. To
1: less sleep.
2: But less deeper sleep. That's what this book says. Less but deeper sleep. Eight hours, that's ridiculous ridiculous.
1: There is, by the way, for you iPhone users, there is an app out there that you can get. What is it called? Sleep Trackers? Uh,
2: no, it's Sleep Cycle.
1: Sleep Cycle. Sleep I put it cycle. on my phone
2: because he mentioned it. I'm okay. going to do um, as, as some of with other things, I'm going to follow this to the T. And I already feel a difference, literally. I'm going to follow it to the T and see see how this is, and then we can talk about it after after we're done with a, with a bit. A few months, I don't know.
0: So,
1: so I want to hear what you people here in the chat room think. Craig says it's unrealistic for me to expect <laughs> velocity in the proper direction uh. in 20 years because not nearly enough lefties will die off in 20 years. Now, some lefties, though, like, for instance, Jaron Brook said uh. that when he was a teenager, in his teens already, he was a major lefty. Yeah. Uh. And he read Fountainhead and Atlas Shrugged and switched over. So if you can imagine that we've got teenagers now who are lefties yep. who might read Atlas Shrugged and then they're going to be as powerhouse as your own Brooke in 20 years, Yep, it could happen.
2: Her books are selling. They're selling great. I mean, they're always selling. She's a perennial bestseller. The other, the, ideas the other thing, of being, um,
1: one thing that Alex is doing with his book is people are giving his organization money to give free books right, to teachers and schools.
2: What was it, 4800 or $40,000? I've got something incredible. I mean, I've got the number. I think 40800 for a particular school. Okay. I think that's what it was, which is great, which is great. And, uh, you know, we'll see. But, you know, he's out there and... um and he's not out there as objective per se. Of, of, of course, what, what, you know when he asks him, he brought up Aristotle, Ayn Rand, and they start getting into conversation. But he's very focused on this particular thing and if, from objective, you know, point though. That's the whole thing, and that's when it can get objectivism. I think a little further out there also. Say, oh, this guy's interesting. Yep. You know, where where does he get his thinking? And where you know, where is he coming from? And then they go deeper and they find Ayn the Rand, and that that happens also. There's always, you know, in my experience. The people I come across, artists, writers, the most interesting ones, the most honest ones, usually, usually, there's always a Rand connection.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It almost always happens. The ones that I've admired for years, you know, it's like, oh, they've come across Rand. They've read Rand. They have good things to say about I Rand. Uh, not all of them, but a lot of them.
1: So the keys are preserving the ability to spread a message, preserving the ability to make money spreading a message so that people can actually do it Um, and just going out there and and getting it done, telling the truth in whatever way that you are motivated to do in whatever field most attracts you and seeing if it can have an effect. Now that's what we do. Now if you are not in a field where you directly engage with the culture, that does not mean you don't have an effect on other people around you because again, John Allison wasn't necessarily somebody who went out there and was, you know, a public intellectual or anything like that. He worked in a bank. Right. And through his success doing his job so well and people saying, Well, what, you know, principles are you applying? Oh, gee, I'm applying these principles of objectivism, he's been able to have the influence that he has. Right. So applying this philosophy, doing it well, in whatever field you are most attracted to where you can provide a value to other people and most therefore interested in also. Have, you know, have, have a lifestyle that you're rewarded appropriately for. For fuel. That's what we try to do. That's what we try to do. As long as we can do it and we find, again, you you've got to figure out, do you have that compelling vision for the future, the thing that's going to keep driving you forward? Some people they no you know they and this is, this is a judgment call that people have to make for themselves but i think there's objective evidence right now that while the velocity is going in the wrong direction in the culture right now the acceleration is going in the right direction and it is i think too soon to give up on
2: the american culture absolutely i mean those who have given up they've given up i mean they're 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 done and there is a lot a lot of us still fighting. We know it's worth it. We know we live in this world. I mean, we want the world to be a better place for ourselves. Um, I don't know. So this year is going to be interesting. It, it will for us in particular.
1: Anyone here I in the chat say, room?
2: Just speaking personally.
1: Anyone in the chat room sharing their visions for the future? Get your local college to put Atlas Shrugged on their honors reading list, says Rob Abiera.
2: Yes, that is something. You know, it's it's a number of bookstores back, uh, back east and and uh, out here on the west. It's in the uh, what's called the the classics. It's a Barnes Noble. Sometimes it's literally up on top. You know, that's also a sign. It cannot be denied. It's undeniably great. Yep. Even libs have to, you know, I, I guess if they want to sell books.
1: Al really offering to help with the project. Is who? Al, here in the chat room.
0: <laughs>
1: that would be great. Uh, get your local high school to take advantage of ARI's free books program. Daniel says, the whole point, the whole point is beating Tui. Now, Tui, for those who don't know, is a character from... Yeah, one Japan of the greatest villains yeah.
2: in the history of and, literature. And to,
1: and to beat Tui, all you have to do is pursue your own happiness. Happy men have no time and no use for me, he says. Happy men are free men, said Tui. Yeah. now Craig says the problem is not with the young the greatest generation and the boomers are totalitarian socialists and they will not change you can only wait for most of them to die off
0: well
2: I mean they're um, you know I mean Hillary Clinton is from that gang you know the uh, Clintons were the scum of the earth but uh, you know their their appeal is dying I think this idea that uh, Clinton rejuvenated himself, he's a low who got impeached. I mean, I, I, I don't buy it. He's like the most respectable guy in, in, in Washington. Give me a break. He's a piece of crap. And she is uh, is worthless. Again, I think Warren, if anything's going to happen, she's a r- runner right over. She will. She's hard. She's more hardcore, that's all. Hillary Clinton thinks she can say three things at once, whereas, whereas Warren is just focused with her weird Dangerous eyes. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean these, you know, dying off. That 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 generation is very very destructive. But uh, they'll be gone. They will be gone. And this new, who knows? The the thing I'm worried about is those who have censored themselves in, in that college. The mm-hmm. self censorship. Right. That's what's scary. Because. They center themselves to you know, center everyone around them.
1: College is becoming less relevant as well. There's a whole new generation who are either going to True. be specialized technical universities right. or right. schools. Or
2: bypassing it all.
1: Or bypassing college entirely right. and just going to work. So I think that could be a healthier Another good sign, sign
2: I think, is when you have the, the um, principals and and, the, and the, the ones in charge of the schools telling the kids, uh, no, this is about freedom here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Even the old lefties are like, "This is ridiculous." We still live in a free country. I mean, you know, we we invited Bill Maher, whether you like it or not, doesn't matter. That okay. that that's an important sign, also.
1: Now, Sabash, if we're sitting here a year from now,
2: I thought about that before we be going. <laughs> I did.
1: You didn't tell me. Anyway, great minds. <laughs> so, what do you want to be sitting here having said or done? There's one thing we can't talk about. No.
2: Like... Well, that's the thing, really. Yeah. That's the big one. So, you know.
1: I envision that we'll be doing this either two or three days a week.
2: Okay. Yes, yeah. that and Chris Nolan is begging me for the rights to make The Infidel Pigman into a movie. You know, he had begging me. I'm right? talking
1: about realistic. Oh, here. sorry.
2: Um, uh, a number of things, but I got I'm pretty you know, one track mind about the one thing.
1: Well, and I think that's. A healthy thing.
2: Yeah, that's that's the oh. one that will dominate, okay. and it'll be the make the biggest difference. I think in in my life, and also hopefully when when we get it out there.
1: Anyone who hasn't done it already, if you want to, go over to my blog at don'tletitgo.com and follow the blog. You can just go ahead over there and follow the blog. Let me see how far down on the right hand side is the option to follow the blog. Um. Yeah, it's it's a little ways down. It's right under the Blog Talk Radio icon. There's an option to follow the blog. Go ahead and join that if you would like. Next week, I'm going to be sending out uh, two email followers of the blog and other lists that I have. An option to get involved in a project that I'm taking part in to basically improve our lives and productivity in 2015. So. If that interests you in any way, shape, or form, go ahead and follow over at the blog, DontLetItGo.com. Also, feel free to react to anything that we've said here tonight, to question my assertion about the acceleration in the proper direction. I think Alex Epstein is the just kind of paradigm example yeah. of what we've seen happen this year in terms of acceleration in the right direction. Anything before we go,
2: Yes. Thanks for listening, everyone. I uh, yeah. always appreciate it. And uh, this year is going to be big. This year will be big for us. Yeah.
1: Thanks everyone. Thanks for your support. Thanks for sharing the show. And, and no calls. For I
2: mean, your what, what the hell? No calls yeah, today. No, nobody called. Sorry. In. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you. Take we got
2: two long conversations.
1: We'll talk in uh, next Friday, 10 a.m. 10 a.m.
2: next Friday. Pacific
1: 10 a.m. 10 a.m. Pacific time. It'll be John Allison from Cato.
2: Pigman News. Infidel 3 will be out soon, as soon as possible possibly we can. 54 pages right now. That's all.
1: More news later. Take care, everyone. Good night.